the comforting face of God, or the title I got after the bulletin came out, was to bless the space between us. When my friend and Arlene and I get together, we talk so fast and so wildly and interrupt each other so much that after a while we stop and we look at each other and we say, how did we get here? We've gone on some rabbit trail that is very disconnected from where we started in our conversation, and we like to reassure ourselves that there's some logic to how we got there. So I'm beginning my sermon by telling you about two rabbit trails, partly to convince myself that I got there somehow that was somewhat logical, perhaps. As I was wandering around in the scriptures for today, I realized that one of the things that came to me was a remembrance of a Celtic pilgrimage I had taken to England, Ireland, Northern Ireland, and Scotland about two years ago. And one of the moments that sticks with me from that pilgrimage is when we left one morning from Kildare, one of the nuns said to us, and not having um, much exposure to this word, I was a little bit taken back. She said, I will pray today for your intentions. And I kind of stopped and I thought, well, that's a good Catholic word, but I don't really know what it means. And I'm not sure what my intentions are. I was on a pilgrimage, and I thought I knew why I went, but it caught me short. What were my intentions that she was going to pray for? That came back to me several weeks ago as I was thinking about this sermon, and what came to me was something else that I encountered on that trip, which was one of my favorite authors, John O'Donohue, an Irish poet, theologian who died just about a year ago. The book is entitled, To Bless the Space Between Us, and so that's where my second title for this sermon came, To Bless the Space Between Us. And as I was thinking about my intentions recently, I thought one of my intentions is to bless the space between us. And I thought, well, what spaces am I going to bless? First of all, start with the spaces inside of me, because there's a lot in me that needs blessing. You know, I have these voices and these voices, and sometimes there's tension there. There's spaces between us in relationships. There's spaces between people closest to me that I would like to bless. There's certainly spaces in our world that need blessing. I don't need to tell you to read the newspaper to know that. So I tried to read what O'Donohue says a blessing is. I thought, well, if I'm going to bless, maybe I should bone up on what it is. I'm not totally clear, but this is one thing that struck me in his um, description of blessings. When you bless another, you first gather yourself. You reach below your surface mind and personality down to the deeper source within you, namely the soul. Blessing is from soul to soul. And the key to who you are is your soul. And he would say that our soul is really our connection with God, our being made in God's image, the infinite, the eternal within us. And so when I 
when I intend to bless someone or to bless myself, I'm going to go past the things on the surface to the deeper parts of me and connect at that level. Rabbit trail number two. I brought my Advent candle today. Several weeks ago, Pastor Sue gave us, each household, one of these with numbers spiraling down and around. And along with it came a red sheet with scriptures for us to read. Now, my first response was excitement because I love doing this kind of thing, praying together even when we're not together. And when I did the, and also thankfulness was there. And when I did the math, I was even more thankful to Pastor Sue. 25 times how many households we are and trying to keep the spaces even, you know, on the candle and going around. I was, I was just amazed. Wow, this is a great gift. And then, um, so I guess maybe that's why the, the spaces thing came partly too. The O'Donohue blessed the spaces between us. I was seeing spaces on the candles trying to figure out how Pastor Sue got all those spaces nice. <clears throat> but, the, but the other thing that came to me about this candle was something more like anxiety, more like guilt, more like being aware of my personality, which John O'Donohue says you go down underneath that when you're going to give a blessing. <clears throat> I was very aware of mine because I'm not a day-by-day -day person as much as a chunk person or a skimmer or a simmerer or something. It just takes me a lot longer. And if I have one scripture every day, it's almost too many for me. I need to kind of seep in them a while. And so I thought, okay, the chunk person meeting the everyday candle and all these other people in East Chestnut Street are going to be doing this candle. I know what's going to happen to me. So I felt myself getting very tense. And then I remembered, oh, I'm going to bless the spaces between. I'm going to bless the spaces in me between what I am and what I'd like to be, what I wish I were, what I see other people being that I can't be. So what I did was, with a smile, I sat down on day four, and I burnt for a half an hour. I looked out, I got up early enough to look out at the sun rising, and I have a view, wonderful view of the sun coming in my window. And I sat there and I blessed that space in me that has a hard time doing one, two, three every day. And it was amazing. I think I saw a glimpse of the comforting face of God in those moments. And I felt a part of you, those of you who do it every day and get great joy out of that, those of you who lost your candle, whoever you are. I just feel like God's comforting us somehow through this candle. You may have your own rabbit trail on that. but So that's where I come today. I come with the Advent candle, with the spaces on it, with the spaces in me, those spaces of tension, guilt, anxiety, 
that do all sorts of things to me, that affect the space between me and you then, that, aspect, that, we, that affect the space between me and the rest of my community and the world and how I, how I pray for people. It affects the space. It's all connected. These spaces are all connected. It affects the space between God and I. All of this is connected. So you can see that the lens I'm using on today's scriptures is spaces, spatial stuff. So I look at John the Baptist, and he's an in-between guy. There's space between him and Jesus. He says, I'm preparing a way. I'm, I'm, making, I'm going ahead of you. There's space between me and Jesus. You know, get ready. And there's something comfort about, comforting about somebody going ahead of us. If Herb's hiking ahead of me, on the trail, and he's holding back those briars that snap in your face. Very comforting. And so John the Baptist is, he's going ahead of us. Mind you, he's not totally comforting, though, in what he says, because he says, repent and get ready. You know, he says, I baptize you with water, but, but Jesus is going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Well, I'm not sure what that all means. Do I really know what that means? Do I really want that? So in, in the middle of the comfort, there's also some discomfort that I feel when I see John the Baptist, especially when I envision him with all that regalia on of camel hair. And I mean, how comforting is that, you know? But he catches our attention and he says, hey, I'm here. Look at me. I'm going ahead of you. I'm going ahead, I'm preparing a way for Christ. And there's this waiting, there's this space between John the Baptist and Jesus. There's this almost like a physical space that I feel when I'm reading this text today. And there's another space in Isaiah when it says, we're grass, God is permanent, God's word is permanent. How much space is there? I'm grass, I'm going to wither away. I feel the space. Sometimes that's very reassuring to me, to know that I'm not God, that I'm not the director of the universe, even though I try. It's comforting sometimes. Sometimes that space is not so comforting. But there's space between God and I. Another space I see in our passages today is between forgiveness and repentance. Now, we say they're all tied together, but... They're often sequential in my mind. And the scripture, I think, would back that up. You know, repent and be saved. Repent and you'll be forgiven. But then in today's passage, you know, it says, I've forgiven your sins, and I'm not sure they repented yet. And, and so it's all kind of connected, and yet there seems to be a sequence. Because John the Baptist says, repent. Get ready. Jesus is coming. And Jesus hadn't died yet. So I'm back and forth saying, is it sequential? Which is first? Which is second? Are they tied together? And then in Isaiah, we heard this about this business of getting double for your sins. All right, that's good news. Getting double for your sins. And as God supposedly telling us, we've gotten double for our sins. I don't need that kind of a God, frankly. I mean, once, once is enough for me. 
I mean, I know my sins. I don't think I need double punishment for them. Hello. So I look at that and I say, hmm, there's something. There's a space between me and the Bible. It's like, I don't get that one. So then I find an interpretation that makes me feel better. Apparently, and I don't know if this is true, but apparently when you were in debt, you could paste on your door maybe a parchment or something, and it would list what you owed. And so I was thinking, you know, I guess if we all came this morning wearing our sins like on a placard or something. Instead of God paying us twice what we deserved in punishment, so to speak, there should be an, the, the word the, double, instead of double. So if you say God has given us the double for our sins, then this interpretation says that the person who was generous or rich or who had money could come up to somebody's door who had this list of what they owed on, and they could give it the double. They would just take the paper and double it up and nail it so you couldn't read it anymore. Hmm. If that's what God does, that to me fits more with the comforting face of God than saying God gives, pays us twice punishment for what we deserve for our sins. So that's another rabbit trail I went on. I don't know what the scripture really means, but I just know that if I'm going to bless that space between God and I, I have to work with that passage. I have to work with a lot of other passages. And somehow, what does it mean to bless that space there? It doesn't mean to make nice or to take away all the tensions any more than our relationships mean we're going to do away with all the tensions. But I have to work with blessing that space. So I'm kind of dumping it out with you this morning because I don't quite know how to bless it always. But it's comforting to me to be together with you knowing that you may be at a different place than I am in your space with God. You may be more able to bless your relationships than what I am. Or I might be at a, at a more healed place than you are in some other way. So together I feel like it's comforting to me to be together as we look at these scriptures this morning and as we look for the face of God. So my invitation, I guess, this morning is let's look for the face of God in those in-between spaces. Let's look for the comfort of God in those in-between spaces. Some of us haven't found it always. Some of us don't even know if we want to look at God. But that's my invitation to bless the spaces, to look in those spaces that are calling for blessing, to look for God's comfort there, and to wait, because waiting is what it's about. <clears throat> O'Donohue talks about our longing, looking for comfort in those places, looking for consolation in those places. Regardless of how we configure the eternal, the human heart continues to dream of a state of wholeness, a place where everything comes together, where loss will be made good, where blindness will transform into vision, 
where damage will be made whole, where the clenched question will open in the house of surprise, where the travails of a life's journey will enjoy a homecoming. To invoke a blessing is to call some of that wholeness upon a person now. So when I intend to bless, I'm calling, calling that wholeness that we long for, that kingdom that's coming that Peter talks about, a new heaven and a new earth where things will be made whole, where the questions will dissolve into surprise. And in the meantime, we look for the face of God in those in-between places. Michael King has an article in Dream Seeker from about a year ago where he talks about how he used to pray as a child for things like a lost pen. And when his lost pen was not returned, he lost God also. Because why would he pray to a God who couldn't give him back his lost pen? And as he was preparing the issue, he said that Lee Snyder um, uh, wrote an article about how she was blessed by God to have some questions about the Old Testament. And at one point, it felt like God just gave her that Old Testament back, and she was revitalized. She could worship God in a new way, and she was so excited about it. So Michael's holding in his editorial this space between how he experienced God as a child and how she experienced God as a child. And he says, all of us walk by faith, whether we have faith in God or whether we have faith in no God. We still have faith. We still are all people of faith. And this morning, we may be at different places in terms of the space between us and God. We may not be, um, we may be more with Michael King. We may be saying, as he says about himself, um, I'm an agnostic, he describes himself as an agnostic, faith, faith-filled Christian agnostic is what he calls himself. He says, I have more, I identify more with people who find it hard or impossible to believe in God, who find it hard to find God's comfort. He says, I identify more with them. But I am a Christian. I live by faith, the faith in God that I see glimpses of. And he says in one point that probably the um, things that he sees as evidence of God's reality are also very strong in his life. And so it's not enough to say there is no God. But it doesn't quite seem like enough sometimes. Some of us probably are at those places, maybe not this morning, but we may have been there. And it's harder for us to see the comforting face of God as regularly as someone else does. And like me, I'm the chunk person, you know, I can't maybe do it every day like some other people do. But I'm a person of faith. You're a person of faith. We're here together looking for God's comforting face today. I'd like to close with a blessing of John O'Donohue's. You may not believe in angels, but I'm blessing you with the angels. May the angels in their beauty bless you. May they bring toward you streams of blessing. 
May the angel of awakening stir your heart to come alive to the eternal within you, to all the invitations that quietly surround you. May the angel of healing turn your wounds into sources of refreshment. May the angel of the imagination enable you to stand on the true thresholds at ease with your ambivalence and drawn in new directions through the glow of your contradictions. May the angel of compassion open your eyes to the unseen suffering around you. May the angel of wildness disturb the places where your life is domesticated and safe, take you to the territories of true otherness, where all that is awkward in you can fall into its own rhythm. May the angel of Eros introduce you to the beauty of your senses to celebrate your inheritance as the temple of the Holy Spirit. May the angel of justice disturb you to take the side of the poor and the wronged. May the angel of encouragement confirm you in worth and self-respect that you may live with the dignity that presides in your soul. May the angel of death arrive only when your life is complete and you have brought every given gift to the threshold where its infinity can shine. May all the angels be your sheltering and joyful guardians.